Welcome to Canon Bound Podcast, episode number 15. I'm Philip Wells, a member at St. Paul's Lutheran Church, a Wells congregation in New Ulm, Minnesota. We begin today with Freedom in Christ with Pastor Mark Falk. Galatians 1, verses 6 and 7. So quickly deserting Christ. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you in confu- into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. Paul is astonished. People to whom he has given the greatest gift, new Christians in whom the Holy Spirit has worked the miracle of faith, are in the process of deserting the truth of free salvation by faith alone, by grace alone, by the doing and dying and rising of Christ alone. As we go along in Galatians, we will see that the some people who are perverting the gospel are within the outward church. They come in the name of Jesus and preach a new gospel. But any gospel that is not by faith alone, by grace alone, by Christ alone, is no gospel at all. The new preachers who are undoing Paul's work have not in their minds thrown out Christ. They have simply added to him. They have preached that Christ surely is necessary, but so is obedience to the law of Moses. Their gospel is not Christ alone. Their gospel is Christ and. This is a heresy, this Christ and, that has troubled the church from the very beginning and remains among us today. It is among us when the walk of the Christian becomes more important than the fact that Jesus walked in our shoes. One wonders if some modern followers of the Galatian false teachers would allow the thief on the cross, or even King David for that matter, into heaven with them. These are teachers that too quickly pass from the preaching of Christ, from confession of sin and full forgiveness in the words of absolution, to detailed instructions on living the life. They become the main thing. Make no mistake, God wants us to strive for a holy life, but far more important, he wants us to examine our lives, see our sins, confess and fully believe, trust and rest on this central truth. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners, of which I am chief. But it is not just misguided preachers and teachers that lead us away from Christ. Our own hearts, even our own consciences, wonderful gift of God, give us no rest. When we find that our best plans for the day have been scuttled by sin, when our resolution to avoid our pet sin has been washed overboard by a habit too strong to resist, we may look for a better plan. How can I be right with God? I need to plan and carry out a new way of living. The opinion of the law is so deep in every heart including the heart of preachers, that our joy of salvation evaporates under the weight of sins that simply will not be defeated. The truth of Galatians is vital. Our salvation does not depend on our walk with God, our advancement in holy living. We are saints, holy, because God has, through the blood of His Son, washed us clean and declared us holy in His sight. Heaven is ours. In the strength of such forgiveness and grace, Paul, who had arrested and harassed and persecuted the church, 
could declare himself chief of sinners and in the very next breath speak of heaven as his firm hope. Salvation is not Christ and. Salvation is Christ. Next, we have our Canaan Bound Devotion with Pastor Tom Barthel. Keeping Brotherly Peace Genesis 13, 5-9 Now Lot, who was moving about with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents. But the land could not support them while they stayed together, for their possessions were so great they were not able to stay together. And quarreling arose between Abram's herdsmen and the herdsmen of Lot. The Canaanites and Perizzites were also living in the land at that time. So Abram said to Lot, Let's not have any quarreling between you and me, or between your herdsmen and mine, for we are brothers. Is not the whole land before you? Let's part company. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. Ah, the big happy moment. When one of my children is finally spiritually mature enough to say to me, I'll go last, and that's okay, I'll take the smaller piece this time. You first look at your child, who you thought you knew so well. After so many not-fairs and so many, how come he gets to go first? You're taken aback. Generosity doesn't automatically come with prosperity. Now I could argue that me and my children are more spoiled with toys and food and games than most other children on this planet. How many children in the history of this world have been privileged enough to say, I want to watch this show over and against another TV show? We're blessed. But blessing doesn't automatically mean proper view of those gifts and a generous heart. We read that Abram and Lot had become so blessed and so wealthy with flocks and herds and tents that the land wasn't able to support them. When the two companies traveled close together, they just didn't have enough room or enough resources on the land. Quite a problem to have, isn't it? But as we all know, with an abundance of wealth can quickly come troubles that spring from the sinful heart. Abram's and Lot's herdsmen's soon found and... They could not fit on the land and took to quarreling. You can imagine the reports that Abram was getting at the end of the day. Lot's herdsmen took over the valley, which the Perizzites opened up to us, and they've hoarded the well right before the morning gave way to the heat of the day. Abram's solution was so simple. Let's not fight over this. We're brothers. He was right. They shared not only the bond of uncle and nephew, but the bond of shared trust in the Lord. They were both righteous through faith. How could they argue over who gets what piece of the land when God had promised to give blessings countless as the stars and to give land to all of Abram's offspring and to bless the whole world through him? But Abram's solution was an act of love and of faith. He didn't just say, let's separate. He said, I'll take the lesser desired portion. You go where you want to go. I'll go the hard way and give you the better way. He was more interested in keeping the brotherly peace than in getting his fair share. Is it hard for you to let go of your fair share? How far backwards would you bend to keep the peace? Do you enviously eye up what you could have, or what you have given up for the sake of peace and out of love? I'm sure Abram well knew this would mean harder days ahead for him. Abram's gesture was only a small reflection of the heart and will of our God. 
How do we know this? The whole world was blessed through Abram. His offspring came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus made himself the very last, so he could give us the very best. He took the hardest way, and went to the cross, so that he could open for us the way to paradise. The love of God is so great that he makes himself the very least, so that we can be first in his sight. How hard is it to give up the better and to take the lesser? God himself already did this for you. Like Abram, you have opportunity to show the heart of God and the love of brotherly peace over personal gain. Now you have opportunity to show this same love to your brothers and sisters in the faith and to be servant to all. Why? Because his love is so great and we are more than brothers through the blood of Jesus. Remember his promised rest. And now we listen to some music from Koine from their DVD, Footsteps to the Cross. When he had finished praying, Judas, one of the twelve, arrived. With him was a large crowd armed with swords and clubs sent from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Now the betrayer had arranged a signal with them. The one I kiss is the man. Arrest him. Going at once to Jesus, Judas said, Greetings, Rabbi, and kissed him. Jesus replied, Friend, do what you came for. Then the men stepped forward, seized Jesus, and arrested him. At that time, Jesus said to the crowd, Am I leading a rebellion that you have come out with swords and clubs to capture me? Every day I sat in the temple courts teaching, and you did not arrest me. But this has all taken place that the writings of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples deserted him and fled. Those who had arrested Jesus took him to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the teachers of the law and the elders had assembled. The chief priests and the whole Sanhedrin were looking for false evidence against Jesus so that they could put him to death. But they did not find any, though many false witnesses came forward. Finally, two came forward and declared, This fellow said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and rebuild it in three days. Then the high priest stood up and said to Jesus, Are you not going to answer? What is this testimony that these men are bringing against you? But Jesus remained silent. The high priest said to him, I charge you under oath by the living God. Tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. Yes, it is as you say. Jesus replied. But I say to all of you, in the future you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One and coming on the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his clothes and said, He has spoken blasphemy. Why do we need any more witnesses? Look, now you have heard the blasphemy. What do you think? He is worthy of death, they answered. Then they spit in his face and struck him with their fists. Others slapped him and said, Prophesy to us, Christ, who hit you? 
dearest Jesus, what law have you broken that such sharp sentence should on you be spoken? Of what great crime have you to make confession? What dark transgression? They crown your head with thorns, they smite, they scourge you with cruel mockings. To the cross they urge you, they give you gold to drink, they still decry you, they crucify you. Come these sorrows, whence this mortal anguish? It is my sins for which you, Lord, must languish. Yes, all the wrath, the woe that you inherit, this I do Punishment so strange is suffered yonder. The shepherd dies for sheep that love to wander. The master pays the debt his servants owe him. Who would not know him? And now it's time for God's Word for You with Pastor Timothy Smith. God's Word for You. We're in Job chapter 4, verses 1 to 6. Let's begin with the first part, part, verse 1. Then Eliphaz the Temanite replied. Teman is the northern part of the land of Edom. Uh, Ezekiel 25 gives us a contrast between Teman in the north with Dedan in the south. And uh, Teman had a reputation for wisdom. Obadiah, for example, could talk about the wise men of Edom, men of understanding in the mountains of Edom. And Jeremiah could ask, is there no longer wisdom in Teman? Has counsel perished from the prudent? The name Eliphaz was always associated with the region. Esau's own son was named Eliphaz in Genesis 36. The eldest son of Eliphaz was in turn named Teman in Genesis 36. Amalek and his descendants, the Amalekites, were another branch of this same family. This Eliphaz was certainly a prominent member of the family. The Greek translation of Job 2.11 even calls him Eliphaz, king of the Temanites, although that title isn't justified from the Hebrew text. The speeches of Eliphaz generally center around the theme of wisdom and especially common sense. Eliphaz is going to claim to have a secret knowledge of wisdom that comes from God or from some spirit that will not be of any real help to Job. It will only serve to puff up Eliphaz in his own heart. This is verse 2. If someone ventures a word with you, will you be impatient? 
but who can keep from speaking? So Eliphaz begins politely, genuinely concerned about his friends. Maybe the reason he speaks now is is that Job himself broke the silence, and Eliphaz is the eldest of the three friends. He hopes Job is able to bear up some questions or some advice. This is a good place to point out that throughout the book, the pattern we should expect to find in many, maybe not all the speeches, is that there will be a main thought in the center of the speech rather than at the beginning, as we might expect in Western culture. So here, um, this is the thought breakdown from chapters 4 and 5. This is the whole uh, cycle of speeches from Eliphaz. We begin with an opening remark, 4-2, but we then have a closing remark on the other end of the speeches in chapter 5, verse 27. We're going to quickly run into an exhortation in verses 3 to 6 of this chapter. And before the closing marks at the end, there is also an exhortation in chapter 5, verses 17 to 26. And then we have uh, God's dealings with men after that. uh, um, And uh, in both chapters 4, verses 7 to 11 and chapter 5, verses 1 to 16. And these, uh, sandwiched in between these, is the central hidden truth which is chapter 4, verses 12 to 21. So it's this sort of ABCDCBA pattern. Opening remark, exhortation, God deals with men. Central truth, God deals with men. Exhortation, closing remark. Let's listen to verses oh, uh, 3 uh, down to verse 5, I suppose. <clears throat> Think how you have instructed many. How you have strengthened feeble hands. Your words have supported those who stumbled. You have strengthened faltering knees. But now trouble comes to you and you're discouraged. It strikes you and you're dismayed. Here Eliphaz tries to persuade Job to be reasonable, which is which in circumstances of Job's profound suffering, that seems to be completely irrational. Irrational. It's an unreasonable goal. Be reasonable. His his argument sounds like something any one of us might have tried. Job, you've comforted a lot of people with good advice. Would you like to hear some for yourself? But Job's friends are only going to present scraps of good advice and shreds of common sense. Verse 6. Should not your piety be your confidence and your blameless ways your hope? The first part of Eliphaz's speech, it ends with a question that must have sounded like it was absolutely dripping with wisdom. Shouldn't your piety be your confidence? Our piety, or our outward, visible devotion to God, is what the world sees of our faith. But it isn't always an absolute or accurate barometer of what's happening in our hearts. People can appear to be pious and can appear to be devoted to the Lord, but it can easily be that they're doing those things for the wrong reasons or simply out of habit. Jesus often attacked the outward religion of the Pharisees since their actions too often made ordinary believers doubtful of their own faith. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, Jesus said, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. The Pharisees got so wrapped up in the idea that God even wants 10% of what's in my spice rack that they forgot that God wants us to show mercy to one another most of all. For we also forgive everyone who sins against us. Luke 11.3 Our confidence should not look inside at all, but outside to Christ. He was truly pious for us. He was blameless in our place. 
and his blamelessness made his sacrifice perfect. The blessings of his sacrifice cover us all. In Christ, I'm Pastor Tim Smith. This is God's Word for you. Next up is Moments with the Master with Pastor Aaron Nitz. The word of our God for today is from Luke chapter 13, verses 7 to 9, and it's part of Jesus' parable of the, of the fig tree. It says, So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, For three years now I have been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree, and haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should it use up the soil? Sir, the man replied, Leave it alone for one more year, and I'll dig around it and fertilize it. If it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, then cut it down. I've just got to have this now. I can't wait that long. Why aren't they here yet? Have you ever said or thought things like that? It can be very difficult for us to be patient, to be forced to wait for things. As the owner of the entire universe, God expects good things from all the people whom he has planted in his world. He expects the people who use his stuff to serve, honor, and glorify him in all that they do. He expects people to be kind and caring to others. Unfortunately, when he looks for those kinds of fruit from us, what does he see? Really, he ought not to wait to cut us down forever. But... He hasn't. Our God is patient and loving, wanting all to come to know him through repentance and faith. In extraordinary love, Jesus interceded on our behalf, winning for us a time of grace. In amazing grace, Jesus did what we could not do and bore perfect fruit his whole life in our place. And now, in incredible mercy, he continually works through his gospel message of sins forgiven to make us his own fruitful people now and forever. I'm sure thankful to have such a patient and loving Lord, and so are you as well. May the Lord richly bless your day in Him. We finish off the episode today with Wondrous Cross by Chris Dredsbach. It's twilight last of the sun is beaming through the clouds I look ahead to a hill Where three rugged crosses stand against the light As I gaze I see blood running down over the splinters of the Savior's cross I fall to my knees in amazement At what has taken place The perfect flower of God Was crushed against the boards And this gruesome death Contains a wondrous hope For us all I can barely breathe As I sing When I survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory.
richest gain I count but loss And pour contempt on all my pride
to episode 15 of Cannonbound Podcast. This podcast was first shared in March of 2013. Visit CanonBoundPodcast.com to learn how you can support the ministry of the Wells and the artists featured on this podcast. Footsteps to the Cross is a DVD by Koine, which features a meditation on Jesus' journey from the Mount of Transfiguration to Mount Calvary. Each DVD purchase includes an MP3 download of the entire concert. You can order Footsteps to the Cross DVDs at koinemusic.com. We thank Koine and Chris Dresbach for the use of their music on this podcast. You can find Chris Dresbach's music at chrisdresbach.com. Once again, my name is Philip Wells. It was a privilege to be your host for this episode. We encourage you to visit wells.net to find a Wells ministry location near you. Thank you for listening. Uh-huh.